All right, did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word? Did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda of your own? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? See how that kind of slows down a little bit? It's not that it slows down. It's just a little bit less volume on that one. So let me just give you a clue. He's been speaking to you in song. He's going to speak to you now in the Word because that's how he does it. So be open and be ready because God's about to do something for you and change your life forever. I believe that with all my heart. Did you share Jesus with someone this week? All right, did you invite someone to church today? So it's a great day to do that. There's uh, little cards that are up here and throughout the church. Come join us, cards to help you in that process of doing that. You know today's the second Sunday of Advent, which is the Sunday of peace. And so we absolutely need peace, and there's nothing that is being offered to us out there in the world, right? The message of peace presented in our culture is this. It's the idea that you will have peace when all your financial needs are met. Then you'll have peace. You'll have all the peace that you need once you find your home and you get into your location and you're in that place. You're going to have peace when you have the vehicle running and it's not broken down and all is good. You're going to have peace when the budget's being met. You're going to have peace when it doesn't happen. You see, the world is always offering something that's out there in front of us, and it's always the idea that it's the next thing that's going to do it for us. And so once we get tired of chasing our tail for a while, our tail, not chasing tail, but you shouldn't do that either. (laughs) I just want to clarify, because I know some of you already went there, so I'm trying to help you stay on course today. All right, so (laughs) come on now, we're talking about peace, right? All right, the peace that comes from Christ. So here's the idea that happens to us. The, the enemy's lying to us, and he's keep telling us that it's out there in front of us. It's the next thing. It's the next thing. And so after we go through this time, you know, um, the, I, it's been a while since I did the research on this, so I'm just going to tell you I'm going to give you some old things that I remember of, and I know it's probably not changed. But the highest divorce rate happens in the fifth year and after 20 years of marriage. And so as uh, Kim and I were early in our ministry life, began to understand this, and we didn't understand it, we just saw it happening, and we were like, how can this be? Why is it that we're like having this life together, and all of a sudden, we can end it over here? And so it's like, here's the lie the enemy tells us. There's something else out there that will offer me what I'm seeking, and we've grown content in our life in the sense of, I've just given up. And I just exist. And I exist within the confines of the career that I am now stuck in. I am existing in the, in the context of a relationship that I'm now stuck in. I think that there's no hope for me and I have no peace inside because I've been chasing lies all my life. And so we think a different relationship would work. Maybe a different career will work. Try something new, go somewhere else, do something new for us, because we're seeking something that we've not found. And then, when it doesn't happen, we're told, you know, when you retire and you don't have to go to work anymore, that's when you're going to have peace. Yeah, everything's going to be easy then. You're not going to have to work anymore, you're not going to, you know, all your troubles will be far away. Yeah, it's all lies. 
It's all lies. It is. See, there's, the enemy is painting this mirage in front of us, and we're in this desert wasteland of life, and we're looking for something to satisfy, and every single thing that he offers ends up being a mouthful of sand. It's the way it is in this world. There is no peace in this world. They cannot offer us peace. They cannot give us peace. It's always a mirage that it's somewhere else and it's in the next corner. Jesus told us in John 14, 27. Now he's talking to the followers that he had right there in front of him and he's giving them a promise that the Holy Spirit is coming. So we set the context in this and this is what he tells us. I'm leaving you with the gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Amen. So don't be troubled or afraid. Yeah. All right. So here it is. There was, remember last week, hope? The disciples are listening to this, and the people that were following are listening. And so he's instilling a hope in them that there is something coming to bring peace of heart and of mind that the world doesn't offer. This is something that is supernatural. Because the human mind is in chaos, and it's in utter turmoil, and it does not understand peace because it is seeking something for itself. And whenever we're living for self, there is no peace. And so as we listen to Jesus' word, he's like, look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a gift. It's going to be amazing. And it is peace. So when Jesus tells us it's not available anywhere else, it's other than a relationship with himself because the Father was going to de deposit the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he said, with this deposit, there is the gift of peace of heart and mind that is coming with it. Then church, I'm not saying anybody here, I'm sure it's all the other churches, but there's so much <laughs> turmoil and so much unrest in the church. I, I mean, we expect it from the world. But in the church, there's this unrest and this seeking after something else when you already know the answer to life. But we have not put ourselves in that place of understanding the fullness that Christ came to give us, which is the peace of mind and heart that the world does not offer. So we've been chasing the same mirage. We have the answer deposited, and yet we think there's still something more that will be added. Now... It's not going to be available until the Holy Spirit came, he told them. But now that we live in this and we look back, we know what God has done for us and we have experience within ourselves of the believer knowing the peace of God. So when you first came to know Christ, when you got saved, when you committed yourself to him, you know the word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit affirms that we're a child of God, right? So you know that you got saved, born again, made new, you became a new believer. Whatever terminology you want to use, you knew you were changed, didn't you? If you didn't know that, then you need to know that because it's God's word. All right, so if you don't know that you've been changed by the power of God, you probably haven't been. All right, so stop trying to live it on your own and do it God's way. So when the Holy Spirit affirms something to us, we know. And there's no denying it. No church can do it for us. No one can do it for us. Only God can save us. And when God saves us, God says, I saved you. And that affirmation of the Holy Spirit comes, and I know I'm a child of God. I don't care what you think. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I don't care what you think. I'm a child of God. 
Everybody judges everybody out there, and they're like, well, you don't got what I got. Well, I don't care. I got what he gave me. All right? And it's amazing. He's so awesome. So as we go through this, then everything the world offers is always out in front of us, just out of reach. Right? It's just out of reach. See, I remember in my young Christian life, I was a, when we first got married, I was a garbage man in the back of a truck. I was one guy on the back of the truck throwing the garbage cans in the truck. I was um, uh, like saved and we were walking with God and I was studying and I was preaching the whole time. But I'm telling you this because when I started my job, I was making $7.35 an hour, right? And uh, yeah, that was poverty wages then too, even though that seems like that's insane right now. Uh, even back then, that was like poverty wages and my wife still married me. She's a pretty amazing woman. But the reason I'm telling you that is because, you see, as I walked with God and he transformed my life and he was doing things for me, uh, I got a different job through my sister-in-law's father at Flint Inc. Corporation. And they offered me a job over there, and, I mean, it literally paid me like $4 more an hour. So when I got that $4 an hour raise, I mean, I'm like, dude, I'm on easy street. We got it made. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, when you're used to living on $7.35 an hour, and then you're up here, you're like, man, we're rich. We still lived in the same house. We were just as poor. We didn't have anything different. And I look back on that as we were traveling forward, and I'm like, God, how does this happen? Why is it that I thought that this would change everything in my life? Because I did. I thought it was going to change everything in my, my life. All it did is maybe change a couple brands we bought. And a couple other things we bought. That's it. But nothing in my life changed. I was no more content. I had no more peace. Nothing. And so, of course, what's the next thing then? Probably should make more money than I am. Because obviously this didn't matter and this didn't match. So there needs to be more of that. No. <laughs> As I was walking with God and he was challenging me in my life and seeing what was happening. My life was getting stretched so far, and I was living on about five hours sleep a night. I was pastoring a church, going to school, working a full-time job, and had a family. And I was like just existing on about five hours sleep a day. And you know you can't do that. You do know that, right? I hope you know. I mean, no matter how much coffee you drink, it's going to catch up to you. And so the Lord in his challenges to me, it's like, do you trust me? <laughs> do you trust me? You know I trust you, Lord. I do. Well, then things need to change in your life, don't they? Yes, sir. Yes, they do. <clears throat> God had me quit my job. I went to a part-time job that paid me $4 less an hour. I was right back where I was. I was working part-time, and amazing Christian company, the, the owner was, and he just told me, you just set your schedule and tell me what it's going to be. So I was going to school, pastoring the church, $4 less an hour, and we did more that year than we did the previous year, and God blessed us in so many ways as he was teaching me that it's all about him and not what I think and not what the world says. But the peace that comes when you're walking with him in the place he wants you is not attainable anywhere else. 
So I'm walking along in this journey, and we have made these changes in our life. And you have to change your life. I mean, when you get a pay cut, you're going to change your life, right? You have to. But my life wasn't worse. It was better. That doesn't make sense in the world. I know that. But it was better. And then in my prayer time, God said, do you trust me? Like, yes, Lord. Then you need to stop with all of that and just step in with me. And I had quit my job and go full-time at the church in 1991 for $110 a week. All right? Trust me. That's below poverty. <laughs> with two children and another one on the way, no health insurance, nothing. The next two years of our life were some of the greatest years of my life. I learned what it meant to depend on God. I learned what it meant to be content in who he is and to experience peace in the midst of chaos. God was transforming us and preparing us for the life that he had for us. He's so amazing as he walks in your life when you surrender, trust, and obey. You have the opportunity to experience something you can't experience any other way. It's called the peace of God. When you are where he wants you, doing what he's asked you to do, there is no better place on the planet. No better place. He is so incredible. See, this is what I know. I've learned it. You've learned it. You've seen it. Some of us maybe haven't comprehended the fullness of it. But there is this thing that's being offered to us that is always out of reach in this world. And God's saying, I want to give you something that is obtainable because it's a free gift. It's my love for you. And he offers that to us. And all we have to do is accept it and then just trust him and begin to work with him. Now, as I look in the word of God and I see, and you guys have heard this from me multiple times, the word of God gives this formula to us to stay in that peace. To stay in that place where God wants us to be, God created us to be in this fullness of this relationship with him. And it's not only how to live it, but to maintain it as we walk with him. And it's found in Philippians chapter 4. You know these, right? You know these verses. You've heard them from me. I send them to you. When you text me about problems in your life, I'm like, hey, Philippians 4, 6 through 8, go there. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Right there, church, like write your little notes down with your bullet points and say, look, this is the formula for peace. This is the formula for life. This is what God intends for us to do. You see, he opened the door for us and he's like, what are you worrying about? He, Jesus already told us, like, your worry doesn't change a thing. Your anxieties aren't accomplishing anything. He's like, why are you awake? I'm awake. He, you don't think he knows what bills are due? Do you think he doesn't know that your car's broke down? He knows. He knows. And he's like, hey, why are you worried? Man, I can tell you that I wasted a lot of nights. And a lot of stupid things that I can't even remember right now. Seriously, is that ridiculous or what? Nobody asks what my grade point was. They don't. Nobody asks. 
I'll tell you if you want to know, but it doesn't matter. See, it mattered to me. I had to prove myself to myself and to everyone around me that I was worthy. I was measured. I was going to succeed. I was going to obtain and be right there. I don't care. Had to be this, perfection, or it wasn't good enough. <laughs> I lost sleep over an A-. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. And that teacher was wrong still today. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> You're going to find out with everybody else in heaven when God's like, hey, here's my report card. That was an A. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I have let that go, by the way. I just wanted to share it with you just in this moment. Uh, <laughs> okay, so now as we look at that formula that's been offered to us by God, it's like, let's apply that not only in our daily lives, but how about just for Christmas? Because what's crazy is Christmas is a source of anxiety to Christian people. Like, what in the world? Wait a minute. Jesus, the hope, the peace, the joy, the love, the very things that we celebrate in this season has all of a sudden become an anxiety for us. I wonder where that came from. Obviously not God. Obviously not what the Lord wanted for us. He's saying to us like he came to bring peace. Oh, okay, Lord, yeah, we'll do that just as soon as we get enough. We get anxieties about meeting with our family. We're going to have to get together with those people. <laughs> and some people are stressed out in anxieties because they can't get with their family right i mean we're messed up things aren't exactly right i mean some of y'all are stressed out because everything's not perfect <laughs> you know in the areas of our life we look around us Jacked up. Uh, city of Tucson, it's broken. It's jacked up. State of Arizona, our country, the world, it's broken. Why would we allow the season of hope, peace, joy, and love be a season of stress and anxiety because we can't buy everyone the present they want? We get anxious about our life, our health, what the future holds, all these things going on around us. And if you like watch the news, good Lord, man, if you put a little anxiety meter on yourself and watched any news source, <laughs> guarantee you the meter would start to jump, right? I mean, like off the charts. Everything that's going on around you is wrong, evil, messed up. Now it is. Don't, get, don't misunderstand me, but I'm saying is that the offering that we're given as news is hopeless, peaceless, joyless, lifeless. There is no hope. And then there's the false hope that's being offered. <laughs> but it's going to change. Don't worry. 
the next opportunity, the next season, the next election, the next this, it's going to change. It's going to be better. Never is. See, if you want to experience the fullness of life that Jesus came to bring us and have the impact that Christmas is supposed to have on us, stop buying the lie of the world and believe in the message of truth of our faith. Start understanding that there is no answer out there. It's only found in Christ alone. When we do what verse 6 says, don't worry about everything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. And then we go on to the next section. You know what the very next verse says? Then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? See that? I mean, the reason why I always send this to everybody, I'm like, look, God's given us a formula right here in his word. If you're stressed out, if you're anxious, if you're worrying, if you're having problems, it's like, here's something he tells us to do. Pray, thank him. Tell them what we need, no doubt about it, and everything. That's cool. Just go ahead and write your little list. Doesn't matter. Do you trust him? He says right there, when you do this and you follow God's ways, he will provide you with exactly what you're really seeking. <laughs> it's right there. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in. Do you notice there's action on our part and then sustained action on our part? Right? then you will. It's after the fact. It's once we apply the faith, once we step into it and do what God's told us to do, then we experience the peace and then we continue to live in that space. Oh, help us, Lord. <laughs> God has peace for every one of us. It's not going to come through any other source than the one that he has provided. So following these easy steps right here that's in the scriptures will actually Bring us peace, right? Don't worry. Pray. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Right there, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, in the midst of the whatever's happening in your life, see, when you tell God, like, hey, God, um, both my trucks are broke down. It's Christmas. I don't have the money to fix those. Uh, can you help me with that? And then you go thanking God for what he's already done. And I look back in my life, and I'm like, I remember when I was making $110 a week. And I remember that my car, the one car we had, was broken down in the driveway. We did not have money for groceries. There was a morning, the kids ate popcorn and ice cream for breakfast. They thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Pretty funny, isn't it, that we as uh, parents are all stressed out about stuff. It's like one of their more memorable breakfasts. <laughs> That's all we had. That was all we had, all right? I, go, I, can, I can tell you right now, I can feel this, see this, and walking into the room, here's my wife. She's laying on the bed, and she's got <laughs> tears in her eyes. <laughs> and I walked up next to her, and I knelt down at the side of the bed and I grabbed her hand. And I said, Father, that's it. <laughs> See, inside of me was like all these things going on. Like, you're not providing. You made this choice. 
Look how your wife is hurt. Look what's going on in your life. You can't do anything. And all I did right then was just say, Father. And the phone rang. The individual on the other end of the phone said, hey, did you guys eat breakfast yet? And we hadn't. No, I, I, I want to bring it over. When they came, they brought four bags of groceries with them. They asked what was going on with the car, and they made a couple of phone calls, and that day my car was fixed. We had groceries in the cupboard, and God was just saying, like, you understand, you can trust me. Anxiety, yeah. Anxieties, worries, temptations of the enemy, the lies that he tries to tell us, it's just a mirage, see? When we are where God wants us to be, and we're doing what God has asked us to do, God's God, and he's going to be God. And so we dismiss those lies the enemy tries to tell us. We rebuke him in the name of Jesus, and we trust God in the moment. So as I look at that, I'm saying, church, I, today, looking back at the different moments, and there's been many of those, many, not where we didn't have food in our house. I'm talking about many crisis moments. We were singing that song, and it's like, you know, you can't even, like, say the prayer out loud because the weight is so heavy upon you as you whisper to the Lord. And there he is. <laughs> Peace will guard your heart and mind. He's like, I'm right here. Don't allow those crazy thoughts to come in. You don't need that. Just trust me calmness and peace that he brings is only through him. Romans 5, listen to it. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's like God's just like, hey, man, I've provided everything you need. I've got you. I know it. And we receive all of this by engaging by faith in the relationship that he's provided through Jesus Christ alone, the way, the truth, and the life right? And it's saying like, hey, we know this and we've experienced it and we live it out by the previous passage that we were just looking at in that fourth chapter, right? It's like, this is what it's all about. Now I want to continue reading in Romans 5. All right. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Oh. I just like, just breathe it in. Seriously, church, just breathe that in. That absolute truth of God. See, undeserved privilege. We don't deserve it. 
We've received a gift from God and now I want to stand fully in it so that I can stand in there and just breathe in that amazing grace that God has for me. That experience of peace that only the Holy Spirit brings into my heart. So again, the challenges in life that we face, these, they're not strange to us, are they? I mean, come on. I mean, y'all, everybody's had some problems recently, haven't you? If you haven't, it's coming this week. This, that's a <laughs> prophetic word, all right? <laughs> okay, so as we look at what God's word, he's saying like these things that happen, they provide opportunities for us to develop in our walk with him, endurance and Christ-likeness, that character change and transformation in us so that it's an opportunity to grow in our relationship with God. So the greater the challenge, the more confidence God has in your faith in him. Right? Okay. So it's like, you know, if you're still at elementary school and you got these little bumps in the road, it's coming. Just trust him. He's got you. These things are to teach us and instruct us and help us as we grow in our faith to understand and learn some things. Life isn't about this life. This life exists and it matters and it matters in our relationship with God and what we do with it. But man, there's something so much more. See, all these things are external. The problems that come our way, but they can't touch our faith. Nothing and no one can. The only thing you control in your life is your relationship with God. Do you know that? That's it. You control nothing else. See, followers of Jesus Christ, we are supposed to see the challenges of life different than the world does. We're supposed to see them as ways that we can rejoice because I know that my relationship is being transformed as I walk with God. Okay, so we don't rejoice about the problem. We rejoice in our relationship with God in the midst of the problem because we already know how we would have reacted in self when we were facing the problem. And now we're seeing it differently because now I'm standing with God in Christ and the Holy Spirit is in me. So you see, I see things differently than the world does. They don't have the view that we have. We see it from God's perspective. They see it from flesh perspective. Flesh sees disaster and no hope. God always sees hope. He sees life and opportunity. So church, you see, that's how we rejoice in what God says. So it doesn't mean that our crises aren't real. They are real, right? I mean, you do know they're real. <laughs> We're not delusional. We just see them different. I mean, my wife has had cancer. She is in remission, but I'm seeing like, that's real. Our son no longer has a large colon because he had cancer. That's real. It's not like it disappears when you're a Christian. Life happens. Vehicles are broken down. That happens to Christians. We lose our homes. That happens to Christians. When economy collapses, it collapses. All right? It is what it is. But you see, it's, this is not our home. And we trust God. And so therefore, God says to me, just endure, stand, hold fast, I've got you. And then there's that deposit of peace that he gives to us. And we're like, okay, God, I get it. See, what we know is there's something better coming regardless. It is. Because God said so. I don't mean just like a better life here. I'm saying that can happen too. And it has. We've been so blessed in our life. It's crazy. 
But I'm saying there's something so much more that the future of the world does not see. So the world always says your life can be better, it will be better, as long as you pursue, chase, and run. But it always leaves us lacking, dry, and thirsty. It never satisfies. And then they have no answer for the end of life. None whatsoever. You know, there's some of them that will say, oh, you just go to heaven. Well, who's God there? And how do you get there? And what's the standard? You see, people don't think through their answers because they're constantly on the run and chasing something. Not everyone's going to heaven. We in the church need to understand that more than anyone. It is only happening because of Jesus, and we have a hope they don't have, and we need to share that hope with them that they might experience the peace that Christ has for them as well. There's a lot of things to give us unrest in the world right around us right now, right? I mean, come on, church, we know this. If you look around, you can see the economy is in the tank. Like, I, I think you guys understand. I hope you know that the economy is in the tank, and I hope you know it's not going to get better for a while. If ever. That's not a doomsday message. It's just the truth. Look around you. I mean, I was walking in the grocery store the other day, and I was seeing loaves of bread for $5, and I was like, I mean, it's bread, man. What is the deal here? Five bucks for a loaf of bread. I don't like bread that much anyway. I don't care. But I'm just like, dude, that's craziness right there. Okay, so um, it's not like, okay, drive through Tucson and look around you. Homelessness and drug use is rampant. It's insane. I've never seen it like this in my lifetime. I know it's always happened. I know it's existed. But I'm saying it's everywhere. It's going on right now. Okay? There's issues throughout our nation. There's unrest. There are uh, two wars happening right now. The threat of a third starting. I don't know if you know that or not, but yes, probably going to happen unless some intervention happens by God. Another war is going to start. And the rumbles are World War III is not too far in the future. Y'all look at that stuff. Just look around you and you see all this stuff. And as I look at it, I'm like, man, you know what? It's, everybody's like, well, yeah, but there's a coming election next year which could change everything. <laughs> <laughs> But what I know is, church, seriously, as we come into this next election season, the division in our nation is going to grow farther and wider. And we already know what Jesus said. He said a nation divided cannot stand. Marriages and families are failing at record rates. There are more churches closing in the United States than are opening. There is a coming crisis that we are not producing pastors to even fill the pulpits of existing churches today. Go to Christian colleges, and the least enrolled area of a degree would be pastoral ministries. Like, I want you to know that's a reality. That's happening in our nation. The institutions that are producing these pastors, those that would even step into those seminaries and things, Many of them don't even support the word of God. 
And so we look around us and we're like, Lord, there is a problem that is happening right now. And as I see the church in the future, I'm like, God, um, we need a move of God. We need an intervention of the Holy Spirit. Or we're going to be in trouble. We're in trouble. Church. All right, so this isn't like the depressive message moment. All right, it's not. It's just the reality of looking around us as believers. As we look around us, we should see these things clearly. They should not be like unknown to us. We should see it. And it should drive us and motivate us more in our faith and sharing our faith with a hopeless world because the only hope we have is Jesus. That's it, period. It's not going to get fixed in an election. It's not going to happen. It's only going to get fixed when we get our knees and repent and turn to God as individuals, as families, and as a nation and as a world. It's not going to change any other way. Church, we should know this. Sickness, death, it's happening every day. When we were up in Mayo Clinic, you know, it's like you visit those places when you have that diagnosis and you go to into that environment and you realize like, like it's one place, but it's like multiple levels and you look around you and it's like every day. It's so easy to get out here in this world of life and kind of like not realize that's existing unless you're in it. And it's like, Lord, <laughs> you are my hope. You're it. When we put our hope in this life and in this world, the news doesn't really give us a whole lot to be excited about. Since the devil's all about division, lies, chaos, and he brings fears, and we sang about, you know, where that disappears today, right? We know where it disappears, right here before Almighty God. We know the enemy is behind all the events and the negative news that is out there all the time. I want you to know nothing's new. For some reason, this song kept going through my mind. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And as I did, I was like, I'm, I wasn't sure why that kept going on, right? But as I was singing the words, I was like, oh, wow, that's weird. Because, you know, there's a, there's a line in that song that talks about, you know, the fact that it seems like those lyrics aren't true. And so I was like, man, I need to kind of look at that, and I did, and I want to bring it to you right now. Because, you see, I want you to see something about the world we live in. Things really aren't any different. They're not. Listen to what it says here. On Christmas Day, Friday, December 25th, 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War in the United States. Listen to what happens. Henry Longfellow, as a 57-year-old widowed father of six, his wife had burned to death as he tried to protect her and tried to get the fire out. He was also severely burned and handicapped as a result. Now his oldest son went without his knowledge and enlisted to fight for the North in the Civil War, was shot and was almost paralyzed and would require extensive help and surgeries as he would try and heal and develop in having a normal life as a bullet passed through his body. Here's the deal. 
He wrote a poem seeking to capture the dynamic and dissonance in his own heart and the world he observed around him on that Christmas day. For he had heard the Christmas bells ringing in the Cambridge and the singing of peace on earth found in the context of scripture in Luke 2.14. So in the midst of all of his chaos, he heard the church bells and as he stepped out, he heard them singing peace on earth. And he said as he stood there, he observed the world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of this optimistic outlook. With the hurt in his heart, he sat down and he wrote a poem to express his own feelings. And here it is. You ready? I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day came, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Sorry, I'm just going to look here and just I want to get to this point right here. It was as if an earthquake rent the heart stones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So that's what kept going over in my mind. And I'm like, Lord, why is this being said to me? Why do I hear this song in my head over and over in that very stanza? And as I looked it up and I was looking at what was happening and seeing this guy's life experiences, it is here in the final stanza of the song that we find the solace that he was seeking. <laughs> I'm so glad it didn't end with that being drowned out. <laughs> Listen to the next verse. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Beautiful. Yeah. So I'm looking back in our own country's history, and I see this guy who is now a widower. He has scars from his own burning when he was trying to save his wife's life. He's got a son that is crippled and difficult in life because of a civil war that was happening in his nation. And I see him looking, and he was hearing this sound, and it was like, when I look at the world, it's chaos. So where is the peace that we're seeking? And he realized, like we do, and he knows, it's only found in God, and that he will prevail. So when we go back to that formula that is offered to us in Philippians 4, we're going to read it again with one more edition. Not my edition, God's word. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Yeah. Wow, isn't that awesome? See, we got to start thinking different than the world. There's chaos out there. Yep, we're not like ignoring that. God's word tells us, look, you want to have peace in God? You start looking for God's hand at work out there. God is up to something. God is moving, and what he's showing us as a nation is that the answer is not in a politician. It's not in our wealth. It's not in anything other than Jesus. And so God, whatever it takes to bring us to that realization as a people, so be it. I want it easy. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to go through the hard stuff, but what we need is to understand that we need Jesus more than anything, and we believe the lies of the world, and God's letting us know, look, we have to see things different than they do, and we need to offer them something that the world does not offer, that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Man, we got to see a different church. It has to happen now. God is good regardless of the stuff we're going through in the moment. He is. No matter what you're facing, he's good. The chaos in life is a result of sin. We know the remedy for that problem, don't we? It's Jesus Christ. He is the remedy. Have you personally experienced the hope and peace that salvation offers for you? Have you experienced that? If you haven't and you don't know what I'm talking about, it's available today. It's a free gift. And God has provided that for us. Would you stand with me as we go through these action steps? I'm having you stand so it's easier if you feel like the Spirit of God wants you to move forward, come forward to the altar. If you personally haven't experienced that peace and hope salvation brings, please come to the Lord today. The second one, will you take the Philippians 4 passage and begin to implement it daily in your life? Please take that passage with you and begin to apply it in your life daily. Put a little sticky note on your mirror, write it on your mirror, do whatever you got to do. Apply that truth in your life so that you can step into the fullness that God has for you. Here's your last one. How can you remind yourself to fix your thoughts on the things that God tells you to fix your thoughts on? It's right there in that passage, right? But we need a reminder to fix our thoughts on those things. You need to continuously work at that surrender that is required to be right where God wants you and keep fixed on Him. Don't allow the noise of the world to pollute your mind. That's where we get all the anxieties from. We fix our thoughts on the things that God is providing for us and we experience that peace that he tells us he has for us. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope of salvation. Thank you for the peace, Holy Spirit, that you bring to us when we engage that relationship, Father, that you have provided for us at this amazing season. Thank you, God, that you are the answer to life in every way. We trust you fully today. Pray for my brothers and sisters that are here, those that are becoming part of the family of God this morning. Lord, thank you. And Lord, as we step in, I pray that your peace will guard our hearts and minds and that we will engage you fully in what you've challenged us with. We love you and thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, if you're at the altar and you want to have help praying, please let us know. God bless you today. Thanks for being your church. Love you.